I'm trying to. Um, no. I don't know. Um, so we're trying to uh, pick up the pieces after Zuring's presentation, <laughs> uh, bring us back into uh, the core of it. Where we're trying to go is probably to finish the um, finish the issue of whether there is a right to privacy this week. Um, so we have to finish Rabbi Zilberstein, uh, Dear Rasham Kolovsky. Um, then we, we're going to look at Griswold and uh, Rabbi Lamb, and, and uh, hopefully, at at least um, in the background, you can look at the other attempts to put it to put together. Uh, comprehensive right injury sources, so, you can, uh, so we probably won't do them in depth in sheer, but as background, I'll give out Rabbi Alfred Cohen's article in the Journal of Contemporary Society, uh, Rabbi Emmanuel Rackman's article in a journal whose name I forget, and um, Professor Nachum Rakhav, we mentioned before, um, so I'll just give you the link to the book, and Professor Itamar Warhaftig also wrote um, a monograph-length thing, which you can look at if you want. Um, and there are two. There's there are two responses to them that I wanted that I want to do more in depth. Uh, one is an article by a lawyer named Arya Schreiber in the Jewish Manual. The challenge there is that I have not gotten a copy that I'm allowed to distribute yet, uh, so I might have to have it have my computer circulate among others or something. <laughs> so you can read it. Not published. It's published in a journal that I can't get a hold of, and that is consistent about copyright. Um, and so he sent me the copy out tonight that I'm not distributed, so I have to, right, so I have to work that out. And then there's also an article by a uh, reform medical ethicist named um, Mark Warshawski, uh, who, um, right, who is in between because he, you know, he, he makes the critique, but he doesn't see any problem with, despite the critique, you know, he thinks this is what Holocaust should be doing, even though the critique is true. Uh, right, so those, those are the... Um, that's that's those those are the, the so that that and, and maybe we'll do some other con law things. We should also I hope we'll have a chance to look in the context of those critiques at a critique an article by um, I think his first name is David I'm blanking Solovey, which I assume was Solovechik once upon a time, um, which I say is the anti Brisker uh, article like you know, that that we should pretend stop pretending that privacy is a concept. Um, Forget that, you know, forget the question of whether you can build out of the sources, right? That it actually isn't a concept. Which going back to the question that um, we asked when we first um, read Warren and Brandeis, right? So this is the anti Warren and Brandeis piece uh, that claim that what they have is not even a Frankenstein's monster. Um, okay, that's, that's basically the, uh, the hope, hopefully, the structure for this week. And then either Thursday or next week, we'll get try, try to see as much as we can argue for the right to know, uh, which we haven't, which I haven't talked about enough about yet. Okay, so we're in the middle. We're in the middle of uh, Silverstein, um, having been greatly supplemented by uh, Zering. and I think that um, where did we get up to? We had done the machlokas between the uh, the Mizrahi and the Meiri, or not machlokas in the Mizrahi and the Meiri? Okay. Did we finish it? Uh, okay. We, yeah. we just we just mentioned at the end. I think right. I think someone had reminded me just the end of right. share that. By the way, he also said he's almost really toilet. And you can right. right after all this, right? He takes the position that you can just eavesdrop on your. Uh... All right. So that's right. The Husky's article about noisy neighbors, about noisy neighbors, which I think Ramachal was very into. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so let's take a look at that. Okay. Um, so can you right, can right, can you um, require the yeshiva to be uh, to, to be quiet or, to be quiet or not? Um, okay. So. The article begins by uh, talking about right, Nafa Abba Matham Rashtin Yakod Vishar Vishar Dvar Mitzvah. 
Um, so the right basic halacha is you're not allowed. To, right, you can't you can't stop yeshivas because yeshivas presumably are a great public interest. Yeshiva ben Gamla was was talking. You have to have yeshivas in every city, but you don't have to have. Right, that's not true of tanneries or anything or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, right, but we, right, but yeshivas we don't we do not view yeshivas as a public nuisance. We view them as a public good, even though they're noisy. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. However, the tourist says. Uh, that's true of all 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 milijah mitzvah, including right, including staka and minyan. Um, but the Beis Yosef says, mm-hmm. We want a hierarchical educational system. Then Rashi thinks you're allowed to uh, you're right, you're you're allowed to uh, to stop it. So why are you allowed to stop it? What's different? What what is what does Rashi think is different about this? Um, it's just a question of like, uh, like the specificity of like um, wanting to know first, like, is, like, um, like right, like the same way that he sets it up in the next um, thing about like from a focus, like about whether you can expand, expand it to other principles. I assume Rashi just thinks that like we can't even expand it beyond like the specific case of like being Malami Tinoco's like in your house, like a normal Malami. So it's a question of what we zoned for. Mm-hmm. The yeah. question of like how specific the, the, the like how specific we were when we said Malami Tinoco's, okay? Okay, mm-hmm. we pass in it's, it's called Mila Dimitsva. Yeah, I think we passed in like the tour and uh, also uh, I think River Rita Plano and Toast Pose and the Riff and the Rumbo, and, like the in the Beta Safe stuff. Uh, okay. Um, hmm. Jacob, can we have you right on the back of the pad? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've worried about the table. Ah, yeah. um, okay. Um, okay. So. Right. So now the question is, what about what about Stam Talmatara, which isn't in the context of yeshiva, but just an individual, individual doing it? So that gets us to that gets us to Niske uh, uh, Shchene. Um, okay. So now there's a there's a Chaznish that I think was supposed to be important. Yes. No, Tanya, tell us about the Chaznish. Um, there's a sentence that last week. So it's been a while since. Where in the Chazanish? We're on page three of the Chazanish. Page three of, of the Chazanish. Of, of right. Okay. So that. Tell us. Okay. Right, right. So he seems to be trying to draw from the Chazanish that all of the like halachot here are just intended to help people live properly together. And to the extent that they help people live properly together, that's what may apply. But if it's forcing someone to leave, then they don't apply. Uh-huh. It's forcing anyone. It's forcing anyone. So let's, what does the Chazanish let's let's actually say? And then we'll see what the Chazanish does. Chazanish right. actually deals with a specific case, right? And that case is uh, there's a sick person and other people are going about their normal lives. And the sick person finds it unbearable, right? Which you know doesn't have to be terribly sick. You can just have a noise issue, right? The people where you can become sensitized, uh, sensitized to specific uh, noises. So the answer, so the response is that a sick person cannot uh, cannot compel the other people to stop. Yeah. Well, according to Chazanish, sound like it depended. Yeah. Whether, I mean, we looked up the actual Chazanish. Right. Um, and Chazanish makes a distinction between things that are, I think he mentions it here also, um, things that are ikar dira and things that are not ikar dira. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ikar dira, anyone can do, um, and no one can stop you from doing it, versus something that's not ikar dira, 
whoever was there first gets to uh -huh. set the standard. But didn't and you, everyone else has to live with it. Didn't you reject the idea of stuff like if some rejected the idea of someone being there first determining things or rejecting it? You rejected that in the context of something that was a Okay. All right. So I think that's right. So right, so we have there's a right, so there is right, so there's a presumption, right, that there are there is there's a set of things that you're allowed to do because you are the legitimate occupant of the place. And there's a set of things that are legitimate if you did them first, but that if someone else is there first, they can stop you from they can stop you from starting and how you would deal with yeah. if you're Shutafim, you know, in a in a in a chaser, or you want to break it up, right? So those right, so that is a that is a complicated question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, okay. So now wait, what things are Ricardira? So right, we have you know an example of things that are not, which is um, they call Ose Ariga. I don't know what kind of weaving we're talking about. Is it like a major loom weaving, or is it just that you can't stand the sound of knitting needles? I really, I really, I really could not uh, could not tell you. Uh, right, which is not Um I can imagine you know a complicated thing like there. You know, this all depends on what kind of class of things. Like what happens if there's a class of things everybody does. Everybody does five out of the thirty, but um, but different a different five out of the thirty is each, right? So you could you could talk about uh, those sort those sorts of things. But let's we don't need to complicate that yet. Um, so there's a class of things that are called ikardira. Among the things that are ikardira are screaming babies. Screaming babies are very noisy and they keep people up. Right? So if you, right, so I think so. His point is that if you allowed people to make claims that. The noise of your that you can't do things in your apartment that make me unlivable that make mine unlivable then we wouldn't allow other people to have babies in their house right and we'd end up restricting confidence and he thinks that's not reasonable even people without babies are allowed to bring babies into to bring babies into the house uh whether he would allow restrictive covenants to say you can't move babies into this house i don't know but that's, but we're all we're you know it's almost always in Allah we're talking about the standard contract and what what we don't know what would happen if we had a um it's trying to bring with the other standard <laughs> I think she's stuck at the door. <laughs> Is she? Is that why the door was? No, I think it's going to be this way. Okay. Um, okay. So now the um, right the example is the is the chola. Um, we also imagine a category of things that ordinary people who are not cholim nonetheless sometimes find you know sometimes find objectionable, and that might change things also. But it's, it's a because, like the case that the Rebush was talking about, was a cholera, right? Right. And that's yes. Where everything's coming from. Yes. Yeah, so the question does it matter? Uh, right. Does it matter if it's if your complaint is not because you're a cholera and you're hypersensitive, uh, but because you're an ordinary person? Ordinary people also find some things annoying. Presumably, no. Right. You move into a house. You're, you're intended to live with all the things on the chazanish, as opposed to let's say people banging with brooms uh, upstairs because you walked around at night. Uh, just to say something that might be. Yeah. Some people here might have experienced. Mm -hmm. Several people here might have experienced. Uh, I grew up with the uh, with the uh, banging with rooms on the rooms on the floors. Why I really really like having a private house. Mm -hmm. um, From that day on, he knew autonomy was the. Uh... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no question. That's no question. That might be who did it. Okay. Um, so right, so now on this, Rav Dechavsky says, "Mivuar midvarav sheyesh lifchon bihilchot nizkei shchenim et hamida haruia shebayi ufshar l'shnei hatzdadim l'nahel chayim normaliim 
So I, I'm a big fan of the normal life criteria. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use it in lots of areas of halacha. I got it from a Lichtenstein. I was mentioned already about uh, you know why you have a right to keep oxen. Um, so it's nice. Mm-hmm. Right, they call Zezek, right? So we should ban them. Oh, right, right. 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 You mentioned this. Yeah, right. Now, you know, and I think there's also shot in much of you know much of the way it's you know, should should go about issues like that, right? That normality, that normality yeah. is a goal. Uh, Rami Tal liked using right, like using the word normal, normality. I think um, mm-hmm. also that there's a value in having people live a normal life. With all the critiques of that, right? We you know what if you live in a hopelessly corrupt society and normal life means you know finding a puppy on the street every day and kicking it, uh, right? Whatever. Okay, that's probably not a normal, right? normal life. But my normal life involves, you know, I don't know, whatever. That can do lots of horrible things that might become that might be part of people's normal lives. Mm-hmm. Um, watching reality television, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so um, so Chaski thinks that the Chazan Ish is fundamentally saying that all of Hilchos Nizkei uh, now, using the term Nizkei is obviously a reference to Hezek and but we also pointed out that it's not really because Hezek right, because that's not, it's not really Nezek, so it's very right, interesting. Yeah, he says that himself, like, oh. yeah. That's why he's creating the category, so he can distinguish it from one that's one. Uh-huh, okay. Okay, all right, so the goal is for both sides to live normal lives without, without interfering too much mm-hmm. with each other, and, but also to have rules, right, right, as to who gets to determine who is, who is interfering too much with each other. Um, because right, it's not an absolute rule, you, you can't do this because it interferes, right? Because there's an issue of, of, chazaka, uh, of chazaka as well. Uh, okay, right? So, therefore, if we're talking about raising children, right? So, you can't, right? Nobody, nobody's, allowed, nobody's allowed to prevent you from to force you to move out because you are, uh, you are raising children. Um, now, we could, instead of distinguishing, well, we could have argued that the criteria is not normal life, but essential life. Um, right, raising children is essential, mm-hmm. as opposed, right, as opposed, as opposed to normal. Right, there might be like uh, mitzvah. mitzvah. Mitzvah, right? Life. You really can't live there otherwise. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the Chazanish's words would seem to mean, right? If you were to translate gardera like literally, right? That's right. That's what living there means, right? Like saying, like saying, yeah. you can't close the windows right, because it makes right because I because I get stuffy, which, which means that the water that water pours in through the windows every time it rains, right? So that makes your house uninhabitable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. so Rabbi Chaski like changes changes that right, like he changes it to Medubar Bashi Mushmukubal Badira. Yes, uh, so I don't know, if, I don't know. If and the, he also changes it from sounds like he's talking about more like individual rights, like I have a right to use my house in a way that is a house, whereas Rabbi Chaski is talking about like you know we're, look, we're we're looking for the greater good that will balance everyone's. Mm-hmm. And it's correct also needs right? equally. And the Chazish right, looks like he's trying to negotiate. Individual, right? You know, every situation should have a guide, and Rabbi Zakhsky is trying to set social policy, mm-hmm. uh, right? Which is right because normality is a circular yeah. category, uh, right? Whatever you, whatever you ban, right? right whatever, whatever, you, whatever you're allowed to do despite your neighbor's objection, right? Is will stay normal, and things that are, if if we chose to ban certain things, we just say your neighbors could ban certain things, and all sorts of things would start would become much less normal because your neighbor, right? Because you'd have a harder time getting an apartment if you wanted to do those things. Um, I don't know what you know what you're. But thinking. having children can't be, which is. Uh, having children, well, it can be, right? Well, we're talking about a community, so like realistically yes. speaking, it's not going to be. Realistically, be right. Banning, ban, right. Kind of one of those apartment complexes in Florida, then. Uh, yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> I see. You know, there's no way to avoid a normative aspect, an evaluative aspect to doing it, 
but the um, you don't see the chazanish consciously setting out as much to do it. He may not. Re- or he may not be. You know, I think the chazanish, in fact, you know, thinks that you can think that it would be bad if we allowed houses to exclude children because that would be bad for my community. Mm-hmm. Um, and he might think that's really bad for the you know for the world if we're communities to make it to make it harder to uh, to have children. But I think it's fair to say that chazanish mm-hmm. doesn't present himself as engaging in social policy. Radzhevsky explicitly presents himself as gaining, right? And he uses all sorts mm-hmm. of language, right? It says, And that word, normali. Mm-hmm. Right? So those are all, uh, so I think one of you said, right, that Radzhevsky makes my move, um, right? Which is, you know, I'm, I'm not claiming it's a Kiddush. Uh, obviously, he had it way before me. Um, so the question is, do you find it compelling, right? That, that is, that's the right way to read the sugya, and then if you if you find it compelling, then do you think so? What he does then, right? What's he talking? What, what is Rav Dachaski talking about? He's talking about Hezek Shmia, right? And he's basically said that there is. I think he's basically said there is no unique category of Shmia. That would be a mistake, and right? all there are are ways in which neighbor which, in which people use their property value, right? Normally, whether it be Whichever of your taste, whichever of your of your um, of your uh, senses is involved, and if it turned out like you know that ESP interferes with other people's normal telepathy, uh, right, or whatever it may be, then right, that we could have ESP rules on you know and, uh, and things, right? Because right, that would that would be based on Hezekiah yeah, because there's nothing about Ria. Um, Does he have like a halachic source for this, or is this just his intuition about how it would make sense to work? I assume that he read the sugi the same way I did. I think he also gets like like he, he really likes the Rivash's proof, right? Like that's why he bothered reading the Gemara in full. I think because that Gemara is is not talking about um, uh, like Hezekiah. It's clearly talking about like something about it's. I mean, like like at least one way to read it is that it's talking about like you know some sort of Hezekiah, and like he thinks that it's obvious. I think it's I think it's it's very hard in the Gemara right? in the question of what you can prevent, right? So the, there are certain things in the Gemara, there are industries you can prevent in the Gemara that are explicitly because of noise. Right, so it's really right. So, it's I think the claim that the Gemara never brings it up, which is what the aim says, um, is really very strange. It's not brought up in the context of individual of, of shutapim breaking up dividing their chaser, but in terms of what the interest of a community mm-hmm. is, right? In terms of what, what a mobile is, right? You can stop somebody from setting up a noisy, a noisy, a noisy. I feel the example of a noisy industry in the moment. It's a pottery, right? Ignore the example, right? That that industry, that industry is too smelly. But what we don't have, right? Somebody's going to say there's no example of Hezek Recha, Havi Recha, anywhere in the Gemara, but everyone understands tanneries are smelly. You're not supposed to have a tannery in the, whole, in the city limits, right? Let alone, right? Let alone, let alone, let alone in your, in your, in your Mavoy. So, and, and there are, you're not supposed to have industries yeah. that are too noisy. And people, we needed Takana, as you correctly pointed out, I mean, Takana to allow schools because schools are noisy. Right? So, no one, ever, no one ever thought of the possibility that there isn't such a thing as too much noise. The issue of what we're talking about Hezek Shmia, right? Like Hezek Ria. Is Hezekiah is not that you hear, but not that you see, but that you, but not that you are seen, but that you see, and Hezekiah is not that you hear, but that you are heard. All right, so that's different. All right, so, right, so the question is right. So we say Hezek, when the when the Mizrahi says Hezekiah, we haven't seen that he's talking about the whole. Uh, he's talking about the question of whether you have a right not to be heard, yeah. and now we can look at the Chavsky's proof. Does he have any proof of cases where you have a right not to be heard? No, right? Doesn't come up, does it? Doesn't come up, right? So that's there, right? So we go, right? So he has to make the move, right? He has to make the same move I made, which is to claim that we have we have to convert has 
into simply rules about what constitutes normal life. And once we once we interpret to we we we, we convert it into rules about what terms what terms normal life. Well, except he's not in this in this article doesn't come up either, right? right. Article, does he mention that? Like, article doesn't have, doesn't have to mention that because he's just trying to talk about. Um, but he but he also mentions the right? He does mention it. Does he not mention it at all here? Has it Shmiya? Does the category not show up here at all? He talks about Hesek Shmiya, but he doesn't mention it. Yeah, in page, uh, page, page three at the top. Page three at the top? He says. Yeah, it's in pink. Right. Esher, Hesek Shmiya, the Chain Hesek Shmiya, right, are not, right. So he, right, so he, well, because exactly, it was a search term I was using. Um, so let's, let's see how, let's see how he makes the, how he makes the move, right? Esher, let's be result, Lamar. Good. Right, I forget who was it kept saying, which is just grandma. Who was that? Is who kept saying it was just grandma. Um, the, uh, I think it was right. That's real. To avoid conflicts. Um, and that's true of all privileges for all related mitzvah. Yeah. So he mentions he mentions it, but he doesn't um, he doesn't he justify the shifts. He doesn't justify the shifts. Okay. So you know, most I guess I can say is that um, I think Rav Dachowski reads this like the way I do, or you know, for the point I read this like the way Rav Dachowski does. Uh, that you know, what looks like the rules about nezik are not really rules about nezik. They're really rules about neighborly about neighborliness. The standard is normal life. And right, and then we have to debate, right? To what extent, right? What our what our interest is as a community in allowing something to happen. If our interest in the community is in allowing is in allowing the presumption of private conversations, so then we'll have hezek shmiya. And if our interest in the community is in not allowing private conversations, so we want have hezek shmiya. And we don't really have any, right? Well, we, well, we, the most we can have is a claim um, that in the time of the Gemara, they thought it was counterproductive to create an assurance of private conversation. Uh, because you could tact, you could not have it, but it doesn't know anything about what happened in a situation where you could conceivably have such a um, have right have such an assurance. Okay, so I think Rav Dachowski and I are on the same page, and I think Rav Dachowski often uh, often is um, accused of creating enormous uh, new halachic categories um, mm -hmm. that bear a striking resemblance to categories that are assumed by the society um, around him. Um, and you kind of think that's an amazing thing, and that's why he's such a great pussy, because he, right, because he pulls that off, and that's a great thing. Or you can say, well, you know, we want to leave halacha where it is. We want halacha to be countercultural, and we have no interest in any of these rights that uh, that other people are imposing on us. Right, so that's a, I think that's a fair, uh, I think that's a fair thing. So we had not gotten to the other. Very much of that self, though, isn't, isn't like his more important innovation that the idea that like kicking people out of their houses is different from just annoying them. Uh, which he also claims to get from the Chazanish. Well, I think he is right about the Chazanish. What he does is he, the Chazanish says, uh, preventing people from having their ikar dira is tantamount to kicking them out, and therefore you can't do it. And the Chazanish standard could be as high as could right any case where you could sue your landlord for non-performance because they right because they guaranteed you a habitable dwelling, and in fact they did not give you a habitable dwelling, which is the I think the standard for, for lawsuits in New York City. Right, if you're right, if you're right, if your landlord has to give you a habitable dwelling, as long as it's habitable, right? Other than that, you can't break the lease. You can sue for, right? You can sue for, you know, for them to put in the things that they promised you, but they haven't broken the lease unless they think, unless unless they have failed to provide you with a habitable dwelling. And the habitable dwelling is defined. It has to have a stove. It has to have a refrigerator. 
Okay. And I said a heating system. Uh, it doesn't have to have air conditioning. Has to be free of rats. Has to be free of rats. Yes, we know that very well. Has to be free of rats. Um, um, yeah, right. So that, that's great. But that's our standard. Our standard is our standard is habitability. Um, and habitability can be a very low level of habitability. Right? The Husky might re-raise the standard to normal, right? What normal people expect, which is not necessarily the same thing as, as habitability. And mm -hmm. it might be that what normal people expect is, is, you know, you could even argue is graded, right? What I expect from a three-star hotel is different than what I expect from a one-star hotel. And you know, what I expect what I expect from a third floor walk-up is different than what I expect in the penthouse. Right. So what it might be it might be might be or the Husky is open to the notion of, um, of variability, maybe not. Uh, but certainly what he does is he raises the standard to what normal people do and expect to do. And if I'm infringing, right, if I'm infringing on your normal life, right, that's the language he uses, then, uh, then, then the other person has the right. And we don't say that the, we don't say that your rights, your right is to simply what we define as living there and everything beyond that, um, you know, your goal should be to annoy people as little as possible, which is also, you know, a reasonable social, social goal. Right, you have a right to live and annoy people as little as possible. So if you, you know, were mobility impaired, yeah. would you have a right to... Right to you access? Know, you know, rent. Mm. Uh, or that, elevator. It's, I don't know. I mean, that's a question whether, you know, it's, it's not, it's not normal, normal, necessary for normal, for, for ordinary people's normal life. So that's a different, that's a different legal, I don't know if the Husky gets that issue. It's habitable for you. It's not habitable for you, but it is habitable, right? So I don't, I don't know. I think that's a that's a move yet, right? That's a move beyond yet to claim that um, to claim that mm. it's the owner's responsibility um, to, right? Um, he doesn't mention landlords here at all. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's it. Might be kind of interesting. What if what if the neighbor objects to the ramp, right? You know that. I think that's the question. The more presenting question is what happens in order, you, in order for you to get up the stairs, you have to put a ramp over the stairs, but that means that your neighbor has to remove the ramp at, right every time they come in after you. Mm -hmm. So can your neighbor say, I refuse to allow you to put down the ramp because right, you can't pull the ramp up after you. So that means every time I come, I either have to walk up a ramp, which I find, which I find very difficult, or else I have to pick up the ramp, which I find very difficult, right? So that's an interesting question, whether neighbors, whether mm -hmm. you know, the Husky's world or the Husky's world for that matter. Well, in the Husky's world, right? Like, like if you can't get into the building without the ramp, then um, the other person is trying to force you out of your house. So I think that's the biggest innovation uh -huh. is, that, is that whoever is is going to create such a situation in which the other person can't live there um, loses. You think it's practically the other person can't live there, or an ordinary person wouldn't be able to live there? I think it's practically the other person can't live there. Interesting. You think is that subjective? Yeah. Right. Um, like, like when you're talking about an intolerable noise, which is not defined, then, mm -hmm. um, then, you, then you can't, then you can't cause an intolerable noise even for a bar mitzvah. But if the, the intolerable noise is caused by something that would kick you out of your mm -hmm. house, then you win. Uh, you kick you out of your house if you couldn't. Do meaning, it. meaning, meaning, you have to. If you couldn't, like, do make that intolerable noise, then you would get kicked out, right? So it's all about who gets, who, who would have to leave. So you think, Rabbi Defesky, if your, if your living in a house requires you to run hype to to run. Noisy machinery all time, all, at all times, right? All, all times. As long as it's a normal use of the, the space, yeah. Normal use of the space. That's what he, de that's what he defines. He says, he says, as long are, as it's the same, like the regulation, whatever that means. We're saying normal for you or normal for people in general? I think he means like, 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 um, right. right? Like any, anything that normal people would like, would do is in the course of like normal life. 
um, which presumably includes things like, um, you know, yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. probably includes medical equipment and like anything you would expect people to need in their hmm. normal life. Not obviously, not obviously, to the extent. Not obviously, to the extent to unusual medical equipment, even though that leads you to do the mm. ordinary thing you want, which is right, whatever, whatever oh, it is that you can I do. I mean, maybe not even an oxygen machine, but like CPAP. That's pretty common. Uh, peg legs. My people, people with old-fashioned wooden legs, right? So that makes that's like walking with stilettos. <laughs> walking with stilettos is an interesting test case, right? Is that's part of not right? for people who wear stilettos? They're walking as a normal behavior. But mm -hmm. it might be it's that... criminal to do. Pardon? I would say that's normal. I have no idea. I don't think it is. It's normal, but it's not rove. Most people, most people wear shoes, but they don't wear stiletto heels. Right, but like most people don't do most things that most people do. Right, so that's <laughs> a challenge, right? That really, that really is a challenge. It's not. You know, I it's didn't not, work through the logic before I said it, so I'm not sure if it's true, but it sounded good. It's not massively as the case I was talking about. Right? There's a set of things. Most people wear shoes. But in the shoes that most people wear, some shoes are noisy, right? Some people, you know, there, some people, you know, spend their entire time doing 19th century Dutch, you know, cosplay, and it's just like we're wooden fog. And some people, right? And, and some people, you know, like wearing uh, Nike, uh, Nike flip flops. Or like yeah. right in like Boston College students like partying. That's like a normal thing to do. You just party all day. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> see you. Yeah, it's well, not just Boston College. <laughs> they're party, you know, partying is a yeah, well, the partying is a normal be large. With having large numbers of people in your apartment to drink alcohol while playing records, records whatever that is while playing with music systems, right? <laughs> right so if you're in a college sure town, maybe that is a normal because reason. because not being able to do those things wouldn't functionally take you out of your space, as opposed to not allowing you to walk or not allowing you to have life-saving medical right. equipment or not allowing you to have children, right? All of which would kick you out of your mm. space. I think that's why Rogatowski's distinction here is like very very important. There are people also, who certainly leave any space they couldn't party. Mm -hmm. No, it's such an essential use of the space that they would be kicked out. Yeah, that's why they have it, right? You buy, you got the apartment because you want it, right? I don't know what you well, yeah, invited yeah, guess. I think it'd be a stretch to say it's Icar Dira. It's, it's like, right, sure. but to say it's Chaim Normalim, I think would not be right, reasonable. Right. To no, on that's right. So I said there are three stages, right? There's Icar Dira, there's Chaim Normalim, and then there's my Chaim Normalim, or there's Chaim Normalim defined as my ability to do all the things that, right, that, 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 that would enable me to live like a normal person. Right, it, right, which can involve all rich. So they, that, I think that's a you know an issue that I don't think what the is getting to, which is the issue of a disability accommodation. Okay. Right, can I require right? To what extent is it the right? Can, what extent can I impose things that uh, that you know create severe disabilities for other people because they make it possible for me? And you know we can think of these in ways which will be less in, in you know less um, sympathetic are. There are people who are very, very insistent about living in in energy um, mm. energy efficient surroundings, yeah. and so the one thing they can't stand is lights being left on, mm -hmm. and so they install lights and right, um, you know um, oh. motion detectors oh, yeah. in the hallways leading up to your apartment. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. now, if, you're, if that's an apartment building, right, and you're and you're Shomer Shabbos, you don't take the position that those that turning on lights by motion detectors is permitted. So now, right, so now your house has become uninhabitable to you. There was, there was a couple in Florida who sued about that. Wasn't there? Was a British, a British couple, British couple sued because their condo association put uh, right, yeah. put motion detectors all around the, all around their their uh, in the hallway outside the door. Uh, right, this is a real issue. Right, the real issue. Of, you know, mm -hmm. well, like if someone has like a really bad peanut allergy, like 
Mm. Right? Peanuts. Can you prevent anyone else in the apartment building from eating peanuts? <laughs> right? That's all right. And if the apartment has a you know has a central air system mm. and you have right, you have an anaphylactic uh, right aerosol peanut allergy, so then yeah. you can probably stop you know everyone in the Empire State Building from eating peanuts. Some of the Empire State Building has ducks. I don't know if the Empire State Building has uh, ducks in central air conditioning. Mm. Right. So that's everybody. Does I don't I don't think the Husky goes that far. Yeah. I mean, certainly doesn't mention it. <laughs> uh, I think he might say, which I think is probably right, that that's a decision to be arrived at by democratic means. Mm-hmm. But, but would he say that you need to put filters in? Uh, maybe who pays for them, right? That's the question. Right? Who pays mm-hmm. for them? Right, because that's that would be the situation. Yeah, right. One person, you know, has this peanut allergy. Um, does everyone need to? That's the same as what was it? One person, one person. So he, he might he might require them because it's, it, it, that would be more similar to the last case, right? Where he does require them to pay for the pipe thing, but that's different because there's like a clear a clear mosaic and nizak. So I'm not. And also, he's not. The in, in, in the hola case, I mean, if you're doing something that's normal for you, like you don't have to accommodate the hola. Mm. If you're doing normal, you don't mm. have to accommodate the hola. The yeah. allergies are just hola. I mean, this, I don't know. Right. Maybe so maybe we define it. So the hola, we right? differently. So we say the hola's not going to die if you do something wrong. Right. So maybe we different. Yeah. What if the hola would die? Something right. different. We don't even talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what if it's like PTSD and a loud noise? Boom. It might be he has to move. Well, Might be the hola can't die, live in a neighborhood you know, which yeah, has. Like to have potentially die. Yeah. Well, it's his choice, but you know, you have to stop it. You know, you have to give. It might be. Can they live? How do, how do they have any assurance that the next place they're going to live isn't going to have somebody move in? It's going to do exactly the same thing. To a house. <laughs> or hospital. They're in Israel. Where are they? Where, like, if they're living in like Yerushalayim or something, like, like they're not going to be able to afford a house, probably. Hmm. Like. So it's an interesting question, right? What we do socially, right? So you could claim it's pilafnevish. And they don't have to leave. But and, and it's obviously it's a nice thing for you to stop. The question is whether, assuming they have the money, all right, so they can live, or you know, even if they have to live in a much lesser neighborhood. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think yeah, I, I think that this probably these are the kind of things that take conscious social change, as opposed to right, you know, with the halacha of the halacha of um, commercial. Commerce is often based on Minog. And so this is, you know, it's always, you know, Rabbi Lau's um, thing which about uh, about Kwanim, Kwanim and uh, disabilities for Birka Kwanim, hmm. uh, which built on what Michael Stein said to us in SBM here, that you about, you know, about uh, that wheelchairs are only wheel, wheelchairs are only a disability in a world that isn't flat. But if we just, right, that was his great hmm. point. But if you built, if you just required yeah. all homes to be ranch houses, Right, so feet are slower. Right, also, doesn't case. the Gemara right. talk about the fact that, like, the moon? They talk about it more about also like perception, right? That like it, it, it like talks about why one person can do this, but and so oh, they okay. all know that person, so they're used to it, so they're not thinking about that. Right. So, right. so that's Rabbi Lau's claim is that we should do is get used to people. Yeah. Right. Like, that like not- in a in a non ableist world, then these mumim are not inherently disqualified. Exactly. Right. For bigger Kohenim, not not for a voter that was much more controversial. Yeah. Uh, but for Birgar's telling you, that was right. I thought that was a you know, really beautiful yeah. soccer rollout. Everyone's goal has to be to become desensitized to it so that it's not a distraction. Birgar's going. I mean, I say Dr. Professor Stein's argument was, you know, I thought it was a very interesting illustration was to think mm-hmm. about whether wheels are a disability in a world without stairs. And so actually, right, so his argument was we are we create the disability because we build a world with staircases. 
And then we say, ha, you're disabled, but maybe our, maybe we should just build a world where, uh, every, where anything but ranch houses right, has to have ramps. Mm -hmm. And um, right, and then we will feel ourselves you know, to be unable to go fast enough. <laughs> Right. That was a that was a very interesting claim, right? I, you know, I had not I had not thought of the world that way um, previously. Um, okay, um, so right, so Rav Dechaski's other thing that is that is often quoted is his claim about spousal privacy, um, which is I think less liberal offensive. <laughs> uh, Right, that in spouse relationships you can't talk about uh, damage to privacy. Um, Wait, is this still in the uh, article? This is not a article, in the other article. Oh, in the one on the source sheet. Yeah, this is the one that I sent you separately. Right, it's so the one on the source sheet. Yeah, yeah. Right, so which is also right. So I'm reading the article, but it's also it's, it's identical with the with the Rabbanu Psar. Uh, right, the, right. So he makes this right this radical claim that there is no such thing as he says, I think in English we tend to have to go invasion of privacy as opposed to um, damage to privacy. Like a breach of privacy. Breach of privacy. Yeah, that's not a bad translation of at all, right? Breach of privacy. Mm -hmm. um, because after all, in the time, okay, it takes the time a lot more seriously than most of us do. Most of us have no idea what was written in the time. Um, but the time say, they, what about time? So it used to be, right, time were the quick claims between the families about um, that you signed, you signed um, before the Arison. So that, that so you couldn't try to undo the wedding afterwards, claiming that the that the other party hadn't fulfilled their obligations. So both families have signed a quick claim saying, right? Both fathers have signed a quick claim saying, each each side has given whatever they, whatever what they promised, and now the wedding can go ahead. Any and any, any other claims are. But over time, um, we stopped. Uh, that's why a, 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 a large percentage of the of the responsible literature is about claims under time. Where one side, or one side or the other, you know, uh, claimed a breach. Um, but over time, uh, let me go into the source sheet because I was reading the article. Um, yeah, I'm also. There was a section on. on yeah. Oh, because I did I cut this? Did I not put it in the source sheet? No, there was. It was briefly mentioned. Yeah, it's one paragraph. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's on page eight. Um, Thank you. Like maybe or maybe not. There's like one thing yeah. on page eight, but it doesn't Only say the same sense? thing. Yeah, as you can make Tabat's name, Shorachim, Shrem, Sunnah, Mara, Raliya, Bricha, Raliya, and so it's towards the bottom of page eight. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, the, the, yeah. the line starts with the uh, Yeshma from Svara. Oh, okay, got it. Got it. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, uh, uh, right. So, so the, so over over time, you know, the engagement, even the Haredi world, has become much less dependent on mm -hmm. the completion of prior economic arrangements. Although mm -hmm. um, usually it's, it's you know it's more the you know the on issues that now it's often about uh, what used to be called kest, right, which is supporting somebody and learning after the wedding, and then you try and claim afterwards, right, that you know, that uh, you couldn't do it. But all those are um, all those are commitments about the future, which are you know, difficult to enforce if the party doesn't have the money. Yeah. Um, and that you can all read React Vendon's uh, autobiography, which is the cautionary tale to everybody that where he he's in love with this one woman and his father says, Don't marry her, she doesn't have any money, you won't get to learn. Marry the rich merchant's daughter instead. He marries the rich merchant's daughter, and the rich merchant loses all his money. And he has to wander the world as a salesperson very sadly until he gets sick and ends up in the house of 
the woman he wanted to marry originally. He'll save Aisha's Potifar, he comes through, life is good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's more dramatic, right. but, it's more dramatic than, uh, than most biographies. Um, mm -hmm. Any case, but he, he's very much an object lesson, right? That one should not marry, right? One should not marry the uh, the, uh, the the rich girl. Rabbi Yaakov yeah, I've heard interesting things about his autobiography. <laughs> yeah, no, this is but this is the most interesting thing I think. I think by 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 far, I think this is that's the most uh, dramatic scene. Um, it's very sad. It's a, it's a hard life. So he tells everybody that he doesn't want his wife. I think she's dead. <laughs> he didn't publish the autobiography. That's part of it. I would have to read tomorrow. I have to read my chapter's article. It's on my bookshelf of why in the in the professor line. Yeah, uh, like, why why Rivaki didn't publish his autobiography? He published everything else. Who knows? I have to read the article. I don't remember either. Shachter was also very nervous about translating it. He has articles about why he didn't translate Rivaki why he didn't uh, publish his translation. I was listening to a podcast where he talked about like Yeah. And people people were upset at him. But uh it's good, you know, to some extent it's good to know that rabbis are come in. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't seem to enrich you. Any case, yeah. Well, that's a about people that died. Nope. So maybe that's. No, most people say you're not allowed to. And he's to what? Most people say you're not allowed to talk, right? Just because they're dead doesn't right. touch you. So maybe that's like, I don't know, is that a formal question? I don't know. Yeah, well, that's the whole issue. So then, right? Rich after agonizes about this. He also lived for the shelter's time. Rich after agonizes. Rich after didn't. Rich after didn't. So he agonizes, uh, <laughs> even if they're just guidelines, right? They're still, right? They still matter, right? Um, okay. So, um, okay. So, right, so he said, so he, wait, sorry. So he says about um, marital privacy, right? So going back to the issue again. Um, I've lost it in the article as well. He said, essentially, he thinks there's no, there's, there's no, marital, there's no marital privacy because the time, as we're talking about the time, right? So the time, we don't have, we don't tend to be as economically uh, dependent dependent um, right now and therefore our time um, tend to be uh, in most places right in in the yeshivish roles you tend to sign what are called Rav Moshe's uh, time which are you know, lots of romantic language but have no uh, no, no numbers in them so they're not legally binding in any way um, and most people don't read them at all and Rabbi Saul Berman suggested and I think and I took yeah I think this is a good idea which I Encourages that we use the prenup in place of them because people want to break the plate, right? That's when the mothers break the plate. So if you take away, you don't do time, then the mothers don't get to break a plate. And now we have no no role, no formal role for women in, in the most traditional ceremony. So that's bad. So we have them break a plate after the prenup, uh, which roughly serves the um, roughly serves the same purpose ceremonially. Or if you need more kibbutz, you do both the prenup and and the other advantage of the time is you can have non from or even you know you can certainly have non from aiden. Because it's not legally, you know, it doesn't serve any purpose anyway. Um, so it adds, it adds, those but then every so while somebody tries to say, but you signed a contract and it's binding, right? So here's here's Rebbe saying, right? Because after all, in the time that we say before Nisu, it might say, right? They're not gonna, they will keep no secrets from each other. Now that's talking about economic issues, but uh, but also gonna live together with love and you know, with love and intimacy. So therefore, that uh, that proves it. Okay, so does that mean he doesn't he doesn't think this is true if it's not in the time? Very, very unlikely. Um, right? It says right, right? So because we committed, that means it's okay. That's okay. That means I have no secrets from you. So therefore, if I if I tried to tell something 
if I try to tell something to a friend of mine without without telling my wife I have violated our marital agreement? Yes. Really? No. So like therapy? Mm. Therapy bad. I'm joking. <laughs> I don't know. The same question horror applies to your wife. So how can it possibly be that you really have a food to hide nothing from her and she can just buy it all the time? Well, so you know, the Chasky Dafka, um, you know, is among those who don't think that Lashon Hara applies anywhere near the same way with your wife, mm-hmm. uh, right? Like Rav Shirlo, because, right? Because to some extent, you can view the marital couple as a unit, and so when you're right, Gufa, when you say Lashon Hara, right, you're right, you're really not saying it's telling it to someone else, uh, right? So that can go together. The question, which you know, Rav Shankolovsky will point out, is but not, you know, that's this is true perhaps in an ideal marital world. But the world in which you're eavesdropping is already not an ideal marital world. Recording devices. Pardon? Recording devices. Yes, right. So at the point when you were when you were wiretapping your way. Oh, it's also hell. You could look. You could. This is something we were talking about the other day. I don't know if this is real, but potentially like talking to a psychologist could be similar to talking to a friend. Could be similar to talking to a husband or wife because it's like for emotional well-being, and that could be tied into health. It could be, but so I'm talking about that, but that doesn't mean that my, you know, that my spouse doesn't have a right to hear it. I can, I mean, they, they can listen to it, but it says, but maybe I should have to, you know, all, all sessions should be group therapy sessions. Like you shouldn't be able to have private, you could, right. I can tell my yeah. therapist, Lashon Hara, but I have to share with my wife all Lashon Hara I told Right, well, that's what I'm saying. To that. I wasn't talking about talking to a therapist. I was talking to, talking to a husband or wife. Yeah, that was talking talking to otherwise you can do that. Yeah. Yeah, that you can do, but that's not, but that's, but the fact that you can. I mean, we don't know right. yet if health is like a reason to break. Like, so we were discussing that before. Like, yeah. Is that a reason to not do other things like Lashon Hara or not? But, yeah. right, but the issue we're talking about here is whether, not whether you can talk to Lashon Hara to your husband, but whether your husband is entitled to eavesdrop on you on the grounds that you that any lesson or you hear you have to say to him it's a little bit ironic to say yeah. that like, like because you said you were going to live the avo with the therefore you cannot you know right <laughs> there is a lovingly as people are codependency isn't an ideal yeah okay right this this seems to have been a um this seems to me to have been a uh perhaps more dramatic than he wanted it to be um <laughs> what was the actual case the guy had like a private eye or something yep. um like photograph his wife like cheating on him and the question was about whether she appealed as to whether that could be used as evidence how are we supposed to know that is it actually on here somewhere uh it's probably not, it's not, on like, it's not in the dakovsky thing it's in something else that you attached another guy references it okay wow. Yeah. There are there are many many cases in Israel about this. Um, <laughs> there are many many cases in Israel about this because in a in a in a, very common is adultery in America. It's very common, not just yeah, America. very common. So it's a whole Ashley Madison. Depends what you were expecting. <laughs> in, well, it's true, but the Ashley Madison people, like the female nurses, got leaked. It wasn't like people had hired private eyes. <laughs> right. Well, so the, to just talk about right. the issue is if you, if you have a no-fault divorce system, so then you don't need any of this. Yeah, exactly. right? But if you have a divorce system in which evidence of adultery is either necessary to divorce, which is what used to be the case in America, mm-hmm. and which is sometimes um, right, that's why. So in America, mm-hmm. you used to have you used to have fake adultery, okay. right? That was because because you couldn't get a divorce without a red. That's why New York New York had um, whole whole industry which was set up just so you could pretend to be caught having adultery. <laughs> 
uh, right? He would walk into the, he'd walk into the room and the maid would come in and the maid would take off her clothes and somebody would burst in and take a photograph of it, and then your wife would take the court and claim right? because the alternative was abuse. Right? Like that's the only way that it used to be, to, be to, to get divorced. Right? To get divorced, what? you had you had to claim either adultery. What? What? When was this? This, <laughs> no, 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 it's the 1970s. So. <laughs> right, you had to claim a credit card in the 1970s about your husband. You have to claim either divorce or extraordinary yeah, cruelty. So husbands who didn't want to yeah, be accused of extraordinary true. cruelty were much happier being accused of, of adultery. Yeah. So you had this whole industry which you know went bankrupt as soon as we declared no, right? Destroyed, you know. Same way, like I used to um, joke that still joke, right? All those people who are out of work. That is just, <laughs> the, reason, the reason Israel can't have civil divorce is because it would devastate the, 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 the economy of Cyprus. <laughs> <laughs> which is sustained by Israelis going to Cyprus to get married when they can't get married to the Rabbinists. <laughs> <laughs> and all these things, by the way, I don't think have changed in Russia. So, you know, and so like the, the people from Russia, like men, even, even though they're now living in America, they still haven't like adjusted uh, I don't know. necessarily fully. Russia, they're Jews, so hopefully they live according to the Torah. Ramosha claims that, that Russia had no fault divorce long before the US. He, right? he claims that Russia... What? Ramosha claims that communist, one of communist Russia's innovations is no-fault divorce. No-fault? Yeah, it means you don't have to claim adultery. You can just get divorced. All two people women. Women could just Yeah, anybody. No, but I mean, yeah, but I'm saying when it comes to, like, all these feminist ideas that we have in America, like, Russia doesn't necessarily have them, in my opinion. Maybe. Yeah. I, I do not claim expertise on contemporary internal <laughs> Russian culture. Uh, I, only know, I only know immigrants. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so the no-fault divorce was introduced, introduced by the Bolsheviks following the Russian Revolution. Oh, there we go. 1917. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that is not an innovation I would have expected of them. They were very uh, <laughs> free women. They were, they were different. Well, I mean, a lot of it, it had to do with women working. Like my dad told me this. Like they were really big into women working because uh -huh. free labor. Yeah. The government, they're like, yeah, we should have more women in factories, them. especially children. And there were like children in factories. Like my great grandmother and great grandfather. Okay, could be. Yeah. Could be. Uh, not necessarily for because of. Not, for humanity. It's more like it served their purpose. Okay. More women. Does, does this have to require you at all to live in a situation in which you have natural purpose for hiring private eye? It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like you think there's simply no invasion of there's simply no such thing as invasion of privacy in the marital bond, which I think at one point would have been a reasonable stock in America too. We would have said that's the case that you know that. Marital couples have no right to privacy against each other. They can try, but we don't. We don't encourage them to. You know, we we have no interest in them succeeding in, in running, in running private, in having private lives. You know, I think we don't have that vision of uh, of married couples losing their individuality anymore. Um, whether we should ever have had it in halacha, right? Whether it's ever really true in halacha, I would probably argue not. But it's easy for me to argue that now, mm. um, and it's useful to see if the Chesky doesn't buy it, doesn't buy into it. And we ask the question, are there any relationships in which that should be true? Right? I think that's the right if, if we don't right, if not the spouse, are there other relationships in which you think um, are there narrow relationships? Like can we say, you know, we understand like partners should not be able to hide financial information about the partnership from each other. Mm -hmm. But can partners hide financial information about each other, right? Which affects the partnership. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Like if I know that I won't be able to pay my normal funds into the partnership next year because I lost my job. Uh, do I have to tell you that? It's not a partnership matter. It's a, right, it's a matter of my private, my private economic life, which will have an effect on the future of the partnership. Right? So I think we can all, whether you buy Rebdechovsky's thing has a particular nafkumina, which is divorce because we have, a, we have a fault divorce system. So we have a fault divorce system. 
uh, the price of having a fault divorce system is that people are going to try and attain evidence of fault. And we have that in Beitid. You know, what happens, you know, the, the case where it comes up is that to marry Right, so a court, right, so Rav Moshe says that if the husband can prove adultery, adultery on the, adultery with the wife on the wife's part, or if I have not prove adultery on the wife's part, so now the wife is a surah to the husband. So if you're a surah, right, if, you, if, if the husband and wife are not allowed to get together again, so then, right, so then, right, so then you have no right to deny divorce at all, and then, right, and then you can get ahead of marijuana. So that encourages husbands to get evidence of adultery. Mm-hmm. So that means that, you know, as a baby. Husbands, but you, you can't, you can't normally give a wife without your, get to get without your wife's consent. That's a fair to Gershom. You can't divorce your wife against her will. But Rav Moshe says reasonably mm-hmm. that doesn't apply if you have proof of the wife's adultery. Right. So that compares that you know compels Beitin to figure out what do we do? Do we encourage husbands to break into their what their wives' Facebook accounts, uh, right, and get pictures? From, you know, if they, they post these pictures of their you know, of their vacation with 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 other person, right? Do you hire a private detective? So you know it's easy if if you know if you have a civil divorce and then. And, for, and the wife isn't religious anyway, and you know, has no interest in has no interest in church divorce, so there's no privacy at all, right? You know, you go up and you, you go down to city hall and you get a marriage license, so it's not a violation of privacy. Well, you get a copy of the uh, marriage. License. I think it's the Rav Daron also mentions the problem though that with hiring the private eye that often involves not only like trying to get evidence of existing things, but that often they would like set up scenarios to try yeah. and like yeah. you know lead okay. the wife to doing right. things. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the whole. It, if you read if you read private eye novels, you know, so they all look down on the ones who engage in right, divorce cases, right? The, mm. the high class ones always say, "I won't do right, I won't do I won't do divorces, right? That's uh, that's beneath me. Um, yeah, that's a. I, I can tell you that it comes up, and um, that you know, your soul doesn't feel cleaner as a member of Basin when right when you've watched when you, when, you, you know, when somebody brings in um, a file from private eye. Uh, on the other end, you know, your soul doesn't feel cleaner if somebody's trapped in marriage and don't have to be trapped in. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a. Uh, I imagine as well, so some with like parents and children, like to what extent do you? Yeah, so we don't have to, I haven't dealt with custody cases in depth, so, but I imagine that that, that you know, that usually, right, in, in, you know, that the family court judges have to deal with it all the time because, mm-hmm. right, people are trying to get evidence against each other to prove unfitness for parentage. Or not even that, just like in terms of like people, an expectation of privacy versus not an expectation of privacy. Like, I mean, for children, children have an expectation of privacy. Yeah, children tend to have less, right? Children tend to have fewer rights. Children tend to have fewer rights, you know, unless you've been explicitly emancipated. Yeah. Or like halakhically. Halakhically, well, you know, you become children, you, you age out of childhood at a much younger age. Right. But what the rights are when you're some echal shulchan avicha, it's also not uh, also not clear if your parents are still supporting you what your right what your rights are. Yeah, in economic. <laughs> okay. Um, so what we get out of Rav Nefesky is on the one hand a um, a very high standard in terms of what people can't prevent me from doing. Um, and on the other hand, a space where there's no privacy expectations at all. Um, and so, so he, he, he understood the sugi, I think, the way I did. Um, but you know, maybe you'll, the, the understanding of sugi to have a social policy-driven uh, driven halacha doesn't in any way tell you that you get a halacha that's more congenial to you, right? That's always the risk of having a discretion. The more discretion you give, the more likely it is that the system will, will develop in ways you really dislike. 
right? If you, and if you deny discretion, then you'll have, and that's why discretion is always a dangerous thing. And you can't, you really don't want to grant, grant discretion to judges or legislators unless you trust them. Uh, right? Discretion, is, discretion is, is a good idea in a trust, in a system where there's trust and a terrible idea in a system where there's no trust. Um, Okay, now I gave you um, I gave you the Piskei the Piskei Dinah Rav Levin just so you could see the uh, Levin has this very really just sit, you know with this issue he just quotes some earring and goes home. Right. Um, quotes earring. He says the cane the cane kasev right and the cane kasev is shame should rain as he just says there's no hezek shmi at all so beware there's an right there is a contemporary psak from Rav Levin who's a prominent uh, who's a prominent pesik I think it's a lava shalom I think so. Uh, who wrote some really interesting tribute, and he just says, no, there's no Hezekshmiya. Mm -hmm. End discussion, right? So you can read the right? So you, you want to find somebody who just reads the sugya, reads, reads the sugya with no bias towards a right to privacy at all. You can end up with somebody who just says, no, there's no right to privacy. You invented that. The sugya talks about Hezekriya because that's presumably something to do with, with Einhara, or that we have a particular right to privacy about sexuality in ways which are otherwise unavoidable. And that's it. Anything beyond that is up to you. I suppose to Ravdukhovsky, who has, I think, a very strong, uh, a very strong um, notion. Okay. Um, okay, what evidence does Ravdukhovsky cite other than we saw? Right? So, um, does, he, does he quote the Chikelev? Uh, in the article, in the Beitin article, yeah. In the Beitin article, right. So what does he, what does he use the Chikelev for? He, he used that? it to prove that, like, maybe, like, you can invade people's privacy if you have, like, a good reason to think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, even for Jews, because I think the other sort of says that on the... Even the Kharan of Benagirsha, right? Yeah. Even the Kharan of Benagirsha, right? So, you end up with a very low toilet bar. Yeah. For invasion of privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, right? That's, that, right? You can end up, right, realize that, right, really, that there's no absolute. You can end up with, you can start off with a very high expectation of privacy. And then have lots of exceptions to it, as opposed to with a very with, with a very limited notion of privacy, but you know, but require you know, require you know, preventing preventing an imminent nuclear explosion in order to interfere with it. So to be aware, right? Those are not. He, the, he massively expands even what the Kikilev says, like he just massively expands it. He says like, um, well, first he says evidence of the Nacho, which is you know, right. similar to what the Kikilev was saying, but then he says, anytime there's a Shashashar, you know, um, it's a mitzvah to stop you from violating an so I can invade your privacy. Uh -huh. All right, so let's read, let's read what Rudikovsky says, and then let's go back to his source and see if we write, and see if we want to say any, anywhere near as far as he does. Um, okay, right, so he said, um, the, let's, we're, we're on the bottom of page seven, I think, right? Top of Top page, page eight. eight. Yeah, so I want to, well, let's, let's build up to it. Okay. okay, it says we can't get Hezek, we're in, the, in the middle of page seven, you can't get Hezekriya from Hezek Shmiya. Um, and right, so that, get, that gets you his, his whole his, his, his sentence about that. And he says, uh, when he quotes the Meiri about Nazikin, which we've already seen, um, then he says, Fair to be a Gershom, right? So the balance page seven, Fair to be a Gershom, Sholi Krak took Tav Khavir Shlomidato, and he sends you to stand in Makarut. Shayach Gamla is not Seder, he thinks the Fair to be a Gershom applies to eavesdropping, which is not obvious. What difference does it make? At least according to the Shudchukilev, who says the reason for the cherem is Okay, so the reason the reason the cherem is Behaftalarechikamocha. So then, like you can do whatever, whatever you want, right? Therefore, based on the cherem of Benegersham, you're not allowed. You're right. You're not allowed to 
sing Danny Boy. You know, in a public, <laughs> in a public <laughs> that was a song that people found enormously annoying at one point. Yeah. History. But he also mentions the other reasons. Pardon? He doesn't just say that. I know, but like, okay, you know, but the notion that you can expand it because it's because of the Rafa Kamoka and how far. Wait, is he saying that like the Kherim Durban Gershom is an expansion of Abdullah Khakamocha or Kherim Durban Gershom is Kherim Durban Gershom? And also it's sort of like Abdullah Khakamocha. The way of the Kassi claims is Shatam Kherim. Right, the Kherim is a concrete. Right, right. So we'll have to see how seriously they take it. If it's Bishma Hatzel Rechi Kamocha, that again, that's just yeah, okay. Yeah. So we say it's a concretization. People don't like that. You ask the same question: Do people like it? Not like? Do people not like listening to having being eavesdropped? Just they don't like being spied on? I, I don't know. That that doesn't seem like to is, me. Like, is the authority of the Chaim Rabbeinu Gershom coming from Rabbeinu Gershom or coming from these Halachadorot? Well, I think yeah. I guess the the best model for me is what the Rav says uh, you know about lot that um, lots of things on on Shabbos. Uh, right, are fulfilled, right? Are there are says about Kibbutz and Onik specifically, right? That there are, um, but he says about lots of areas, but there are these sort of vague, you know, right? The values that Chazal or the Nevi'im chose to concretize in specific decrees. And when that, right? So they're, in the other areas, they're left to your discretion, and right, you're supposed to fulfill the value, but when they made a decree, so the decree has the force of the Deoraisa. Even though the Derisa didn't, right, the Derisa by itself would not generate these specifics. So, right, so the best way to frame it here is that look, the Rafik Kamoka means you should never do anything your friend doesn't want, such as this. Right. And now we're telling you that, by the way, that means you shouldn't do this. And it might mean that that shouldn't do this becomes, right, means you shouldn't, that you shouldn't do this, that you can't do this, even when it's the kind of thing, but it might mean that, even when it's the kind of thing that in this specific case you wouldn't mind it. But what you and your friend want is there to be a rule that people can't do this. And I think that's really the the big shift. The other takes place on the uh, on the action level, on the case level. Would I want my would I want would I want my friend to listen, or would I want there to be a rule that would prevent that that, that would prevent my friend from listening? Mm-hmm. And we can all imagine there might be times when I would right when I wouldn't mind if he listened, but I really wish there were a rule against him listening. Mm-hmm. And by the same token, right? So you shouldn't listen. Right? It turns us into Kantians, right? Where, where everything, where every, every, every rule has to be universalizable. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I think that's probably the best way to understand how the Kamocha. But again, you have to define what it is that the you know what what aspect of how the Kamocha. What what did the rule ban? And so it's not obvious to me that even if you say it's how the Kamocha that you can go from Hezekri and Hezekshmiya, that assumes that what we concretized was data as opposed to sites. And who says? Mm-hmm. I, I, I find the argument um, uncompelling. So there, it's hard to figure out why that's a cherem. I guess we have to make the same kind of argument that uh, that without the cherem, I might think that it's not rechilus to open people's mail. Eh? I think it's pretty well get that when somebody hands you a sealed envelope and you open it. That's a yeah. That's Rachilus. I'm not quite sure. I mean, maybe because you're not. Oh, yeah, but, else. But, but, but it wasn't obvious. Wasn't yeah. Even because you're not showing it to someone else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what you. That's what you think when you want to read the Halachic right? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Maybe the Halachic Sanos having impact on me. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> so obvious. Only should go into that. Only should go into that. Sabrina. I yeah. So, pointed out right that the etymology of Rachilus doesn't work very well, um, and yet. I guess it does seem obvious to me that it's wrong to look at someone else's letter. The question is whether Rechilus is the right way of framing that or whether there's some yeah. kind of separate thing of Gilo Soed. 
mm -hmm. um, right? If someone got se separable framework, let's say it feels not not the obvious way of getting there. Okay, when we show going to Dasabrias, we talked about the challenges of that. Okay, so lastly, we'll take a look at the Fiki Lays as best we can and see. It's not the most readable. I have printouts now, so that will solve the whole problem. I think I'd actually be able to zoom in. I thought so too, but just in case. Well, the thing is with the printout, it's easier to take notes. Yes, and now we can draw boxes around this, like Churchill. No, no, I got that joke at all. Oh, well. I have written many years ago giving a sperm Joshua at Rosenzweig's house about why Chazal's Milsudibidufus aren't funny. Is it because they had right, they had a different sense of humor that we found that we found really good to appreciate? Oh, <laughs> 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 um, whatever. Or I think there was a sad that was just they just have bad sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> and the jokes aren't funny. Uh, or maybe we misunderstood the word Badufa stuff, whatever. I wasn't there, but uh, I heard the, uh, the shvul. Uh, okay. Let's see if we can read it together. Nishalti bechad bibdei amenu. Sheyesh lo esek im goi. Lomono biyadot, right? So, there, so there's a Jew who has his money in the hands of a non-Jew. Um, he's afraid of his, that his partner is going to do something um, bad to him. And he somehow has in his hands a letter that was sent. Now, how he got the letter is not okay, right? not told to us. But he somehow has in his hands a letter that was sent to. Right? You know, we're not told that his partner, who trusts him utterly, gave him the letter. Um, <laughs> but so he has the letter. So the Jew, who is who is it seems very from, really wants to to know if he can open this letter or not. Okay, again, we don't know. I don't know if this is a real case or um, or not a real case. Um, you can imagine, um, you know, the classic case of this is problematic is um, in um, in Hamlet. And Hamlet, um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern yeah. are given letters for their uh, right for their own, are, are carrying the letters for their own execution. Yeah, I mean, like, so he brings up uh, someone brings up like Davidson and curiosity. Yeah, right. So you can see, like, there are times when mm -hmm. you know, and when people are double buffing you, right? They hand you the letter because they think that if they hand you the letter, they'll never. Uh, um, I, I had I had uh, two students in my monitors once. Um, Talk to me and talk to me during another class when I was a teacher, and then asked me for a letter for, for a letter excusing them uh, excusing them for being late to class, uh, which I had, I had not known I was late in the class. And the class was already Brill's class, uh, so I wrote them a letter saying Rosencrantz and Guildenstern were talking to me. <laughs> Brill got it immediately. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> It was fun. It was fun being on the faculty with it. Okay. Shiva. It seems to me, it seems to me that this should be printed. Kifi divrei ashulte gibarim perak shuas edus shakasa mizelashana. Lamashinich shenagim lichtov al higrot ikacherim benegershon. Nira dima poseach haigeret yodea sheish cherim benegershon bazeh. The Az, Lohaya Ish, 
Should we know what the next conference says? Sir Sham.
And that plane just got right here. You know, the parent became a pointless phenomenon. Uh, so what do we know, right? What, do we, you know, what, what would we, what meaning does it have for us? Yeah, right, so I, I don't, I don't think, I think that from that point on, the question whether something is a harem or not is not so different whether something is an or not. So it becomes, right, so it becomes very hard to tell. So, you know, so this, this heyday, for, this, this current may have had a 500 year heyday, right, from the time that Maram said it, you know, and then you have the, uh, in the background, right, you know, you have the, because, the, because the, the, what we have of the harem against polygamy has a thousand year expiration date. Um, right, so that's a whole country that starts you know, about 150 years ago about whether they've all expired now. So we shouldn't, you know, and then there's, attempt, there's attempts to get another group together and reinstate it. And then if you have people always write, you know, like Ramosha always says, and maybe there's no harem anyway because of how yours has expired. So if you want to be Makil, you can always say there's a suffix, maybe there's no harem anyway. Uh, nobody is really pushing for polygamy that I know of. But if you want to be, but if you want to permit polygamy in cases where the wife is denying again, so that's one of the mm. things to say. And maybe, mm. right? Maybe we don't. Maybe we don't have it. We don't have it anyway. Especially if we're starting, uh, yeah, or not Ashkenazim. We don't have to be Spartan. Does that mean not Ashkenazim? Um, it's really interesting. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. That it's really hard to say that any of these crimes are binding because Rabbi Gershon made it to kind of in, you know, and his kind of was accepted by all of the narrow, you know. Group that he was, you know, that knew about him, and uh, that it's hard to say that, but um, but it's you know, but the problem is like you know to say that anything is binding now because what kind of community is there that right that could make something binding now? It's hard when you know when the when the community that cares about law in that sense is ten percent of the population maximum. Right, so now you have to claim you're only making law within that ten percent of people going in and out all the time. Uh, right, and that you know, that's and that's aside from the question of whether a, a ten percent, whether a rump group can really make law uh, in that way that's binding on people who weren't present at the vote. Um, really, really hard, really, really hard. And then you have, in addition to that, you have you know, you know the question about whether we can make drabanas nowadays, right? Because maybe nobody has authority to do that. So, so we have to, you know, so it's better to retroject that Rabbi Gershom had this authority at least over all Ashkenazim, and then to to smash the category of Ashkenazim into a unified unified group so that everybody's under it, and then hard, don't do it. That's not all there is really to say. Don't do it. Okay. That's all. It is true that Lereacha seems to imply only Jews. There is, uh, of course, the Meiri who seems to expand that. Um, to everybody. As the Meiris want to do. As the Meiris want to do, exactly right. Lereacha <laughs> is generally, you know, I, I want to cheer the Meiri on for doing. Uh, so we could say, yeah, I. Yeah, well, like you know, I, I I'm not so into making the Hafsalayachikamocha a grounds for a kula on behavior, right? On behavior that you agree other people don't want to have done to them, mm-hmm. uh, right? That's uh, especially if you you know, adopt um, the criteria that Rebbechlin like, brother, you know, that um, that uh, the things that, the things that that don't apply between Jews and non-Jews are the things that are super derogatory, 
as opposed to Mandalach. The whole point of Mandalach Sanil Chabrechlos Avid is it's the core of all of Torah. So to say this is the core of all of Torah, you don't have to do it for non Jews. That's very hard. That's what Hill says, right? Right. 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 So I claim that this is, this is, this, right, this is, this is everything, and yet it doesn't apply to non Jews. Yeah. I mean, you could argue the Torah centered on Jews. Yeah, I, it's an interesting. You know, it's, it doesn't really. It's not really an attractive thing from from my perspective to say yeah. to a conversion candidate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of all things to say to them, right? Come because they're right. They have obligations towards you, and you can do it. Like you said, because come because we have a sense of community that you want, right? But and then we'll have to say, right? Because you're not allowed to because because we kind of leniency because right for being a convert that converts have to keep this towards non-Jews. They don't want people to join for the sake of kulas. That I have to say, this is not a this is not a line of reasoning that has great appeal to me. Okay, the I in the sefer haleket chelagal simen kavayin gil she mistapik b'chayosi b'chayosi Israel. so you can't, um, so you can't, if he, if, he, if he doesn't open, if he doesn't open, if he hands it on, it will be down, but he can't hold it either. So the solution there is to burn it. So you can't do that now, uh, right? You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, um, in, our, in our things, you can't burn it. Uh, because that's not, because it's not that the Jew is gonna be damaged by delivering the letter, it's that he might gain something by opening the letter. So, mm-hmm. right, so burning the letter, so, right? So even though he thinks it might be okay to burn the letter. <laughs> um, it's not really helpful. It doesn't help in its case, right? That's an interesting question, about, you know, which we could think about. Is burning someone's letter the same thing as Lotele Rachil if they intended to, right? Is, assuming you're not the agent to deliver it, right? right? But you're right, you're just, the letter comes into your hands uh, by whatever means, uh, right? Because, uh, whatever means. And now A wants to tell B something and you burn it. So is that super not Lotele Rachil because you're preventing information being transferred? Or is it the same thing because you're interfer- interfering with someone's leg- legitimate transfer of information? If you're assuming that the letter is just Lashon Hara anyway, then uh, it's you assume it's just Lashon Hara anyway, <laughs> right? So, so, so I say, but it, burn it. <laughs> but it might not be. If, it doesn't say anywhere here that the non Jew is going to do something which is illegitimately against the Jew's interests. It could just be that the non Jew is going to engage in a, in a perfectly legal move. Does it say it's necessary? Yeah, it's going to damage him. You think that means actionable nezek? I would assume so. And it's usually the context we use nezek. I don't know. I would think that you know you're engaged in business practice, and he's going to do something which is going to harm your business interests. It will cause you damage, but it doesn't mean that it's actionable damage. Uh, that, that, that would that would that would be that would be my uh, that would be that would that would be my assumption. Uh, which is an interesting question. It's only because you're a partner. This is avla. Okay, that's true. This is avla. Do you think it would be different if it weren't wrong? Yeah. Why? Because it seems like 
Well, I guess then, like, the question is, is it wrong to open the letter in the first place? If we're saying it's not wrong to open the letter, then maybe it doesn't matter. But if it is wrong to open the letter, but it's not as, if it's overpowered by you know, the benefit that you're getting, then I would think it wouldn't matter. Well, so, you know, so I guess we have to be careful, right? Because the rationale for opening the letter given here is the Nezik he's doing you, right? But is that, right, because it's the toilet, but is that because it's preventing him from doing wrong to you? Or is that because it's against, right, it's preventing financial harm to you? Hmm. I mean, based on the way he phrased the question, I would think it's because he's doing wrong to you. Yeah, so the question is whether that's real or not, right? The way he frames the question is Avla, but the way he presents the rationale, it doesn't say because, right, it's because it's preventing damage to you, not present, right? You can the damage is illegitimate damage. Does he, does he frame it that way? Does he, does he say illegitimate damage? I mean, that's how I would interpret the word Nesek. Hmm. Um, really, they really done to have a... I guess here he does. Came in the Chosha Shosha Gozlo Maziko. Right. So he, he says it doesn't that, sound like you know we're worried that this guy is gonna you know make his business super efficient and put me out of business. <laughs> right. So the question is right, to me it sounds like if it was a non-Jew, there would be no right, just the fact that you'll save the money, that you'll save the money is enough. But if it's a Jew. And then we say the fact that he's doing wrong to you might right, might um, might justify it. But he uses the same language for both of them. Uh, does he? That's right. I'm reading that language again. I don't know if the fire doctor done anything wrong, does it? He compares an Andrew to Matsu Mizuto Shulyam, right? I don't know what that case is. Let's see if if the uh, the ocean the ocean grabs the ocean grabs stuff from uh, from somebody, and now it's Hefker, and you save it and don't give it back to them. So here, he, by by opening the letter, he's saving his money from the ocean. Yeah. Oh, fine. Hmm. In that case, that does sound like that. I think also Matsumi Adam is also like not something where they're not necessarily doing anything wrong. That's true. And we don't, yeah, right. And Matsumi Adam, well, that's worse because they're of the Mazara. We really don't want them to have the money. Right. That is a, uh, right. So that's worse. I, I would suspect not so, but you know, the truth is, again, since I would, uh, I would happily go meet Uri and say, you know, and, and not possibly the Chikilev about that and just expand the Chikilev's talk about Jews. So, right, so, so I would happily say, okay, the standard has to be that he has to be, that he has to be planning to do something wrong to you. Then the question is, you know, so what one wants to say is that because he did something wrong to you, so he waived his right of privacy by doing that. And that's what I'm trying to write, right? Is that what you want? What you what this should makes you want to say is that normal people have a right to privacy, unless they do something wrong to you, and then we have a kind of bab machteret thing, right? That he's coming to steal your money. Okay, so he's coming to steal your money, so now you can do something wrong to him. Um, I just don't know that that's the you know if you frame it as madalach sane, so that doesn't. Uh, so I guess we could say okay, so, you know, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how the logic plays out. If you frame it. I mean, the conclusion is that, yeah. um, like, the Chemdurberg doesn't apply in this case to a Goy anyway. Yeah, so I'm trying to bracket so, that. So that sounds like it's totally fine. Yeah, I'm trying to bracket that. Let's, let's assume it was a Jew, right? Which is the which is the case the case I think that 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 interests us anyway. Let's assume it's a Jew. He doesn't give a clear ruling on the Jew case. That's true. I'm just following following his logic, right? So his logic says. 
Right, it's because there's a risk, there's a concern that he's still right there. He uses language So my suspicion is when it comes to a Jew, he would say that there is a cherem, and right, and and you and you and the cherem doesn't entitle you. You can't break the cherem to make money or save money. The only, but yet you can break the cherem if the other person is doing something wrong to you. So he needs right. So he needs a rationale, right, where it's not just to elit. It's not just purpose for you. It has to be a moral toilet in some way, not just an outcome toilet. It can't just be like, oh, it's good for my business. Right. It's it can't be that, right? Which you might have thought it was good, it was good enough for non-Jews. I'm not sure. I'd be happy if Tony's right, but I'm not 100 percent sure you're right in that. So the question is, what is it? Why is that? Is what what so I would like to frame it as he's waived his privacy, but there's nothing of that in his and that it's a tit for tat thing, right? That once when you're doing when you're doing something wrong to somebody, you have no right of privacy. But he doesn't frame it that way. I think he frames it as a toilet issue. So I would leave that as a tension, right? Which way? Which way is better to frame it? Is it better to frame it as a that there are things you that in the in the course of committing action you lose, right? The, re, the reason he doesn't want to do it, the reason he, wants, he doesn't want to say it that way is because a chashash would not be enough then. Right? If it has to be that I have to waive my right of privacy, the fact that you suspect me of doing something wrong doesn't waive my right of privacy. Because you've done anything. you have to. Right, the burden of proof would be on you. So what he's doing is he's he's allowing a very low burden of proof for Vayelacherim and Begoshim. I only have a chashash, and a chashash we could say right in my podcast that Rav Moshe defines a chashash something that's less than a mir than a mir hamatzuk, right? So there's only like a ten percent chance, but that really, really, really um, undermines the cherem, right? If, if it, right, so you can respond by saying the purpose of the cherem was only to protect third party; it was never to protect correspondence among people who knew each other. That also, we're like thinking like now, maybe we're thinking like American society, like versus like a society where, like, let's say the non Jewish society oftentimes would be anti Semitic and would, like try to kill Jews all the time. So, like, it might depend on that. Like, in those mm. days, maybe like people, you know, there's a big chance that they're going to try to harm not uh, try to harm Jews because that, like, the that was like the normal reality. Right. And then if you but he says to stand up even among Jews, right? That's the one, only a, a, even a chashash is enough. But then, oh, okay. doesn't at the end he's like, yeah, he doesn't come down definitively on that side. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't. So he knows. I would like, I would like to move his standard to. I would like to move it away. I'd like to move it up from Kshash. I would like there to be at least Rove, but maybe I'm too uh -huh. too focused on privacy. And I would like, to, and I would like to build it off some kind of implicit waiver of some sort, rather than. Making it just when it's in your interest, you can open other people's mail. That's not what he says. <laughs> but I have to admit, that's not what he says. That's figure out how, how much we want to do with this. Okay, now that right, and the last thing he says is, it's right, maybe it's a violation of Lotelef Rachil. Um, right, Shish Isra, right, and this is the language that people like quoting. Shish Isra, the vacation of the Chapes, Mr. Rav Shel Chavero, the Tevikle Lotelef Rachil, Lacherim, Ola, Smo, Yun Shamar. He quotes the Right, so he quotes the Halakhistanos. Um, right, sorry, I quoted Halakhist. It was Halakhistanos, of course, the tripshikness of my fault. Um, as he quotes that, according to how seriously, how seriously does he take that? I don't know how seriously he takes that any more than anyone, oh, seriously anyone takes the Halakhistanos. Uh, <laughs> right, and then finally he pulls out, he pulls, he pulls out the, the one that's really unique to him, which is Gnevis Das. Alum yeisra mishum gonev das abrios, shari logora, logora, Right, so it's very nice rhetoric. Right, 
ordinarily going to just means making a person make a mistake. But here, I'm actually plucking the thought out of your heart. Um, right. right. It's in the recesses of my heart. Um, okay, right. And that applies even to non-Jews. So you know, I cheer him on for finding, finally finding a way which, which is also to do it to non-Jews. Um, but I think that there's a real question about whether he's right about this Kalvachomer. Uh, by making the Kalvachomer, he is implying that it is um, that he has no source for Nevatadas, actually meaning you know, actually meaning you know, reaching into the pensive and taking right, or, and taking the and taking the wrong bottle. Uh, okay. What Rav Dechavsky does with this, right? So let's take the right. The Chesky does with um, with the Chigay list, right? Where, where does he use it again? On, on yeah, on Israel, top of page eight. So he says um, that if you use the principle of Avin Inish Dinalanafshe, we can use that as a general principle that you're allowed to engage in all forms of information gathering when it could conceivably be justified as. Um, private action, private action in the cause of one's case. Right, that, that a fair description? Uh, right. Lemritz, Sveikos shall Rabchaim Pilaj, Pilaj, Nira shall draw a more in Rakh the Gabe Beiti. The Avahanifka Atma. Um, okay, right. So, right. So that that um, that seems to, right. So he, he wants to argue that either Rechaim Balaji has doubts whether a bezdin would authorize you to open the, to open a letter in certain cases. So which letter, which case did Rechaim Balaji actually say that? But he's not sure. I think that was the very end. The very end. We can get there. And then translate yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's where the black of shoes. He says that uh, I think it's not clear that Bezin could authorize it. So this is a wild, this is the wild thing at the end, also, right? Rizkowski says that even though the Chike Leif himself is not sure whether Beitin could could order this for a Jew, because he's because the way he set it out, there's a machlokus whether whether you could do it for a Jew or not. Right, and I would argue that that should mean you can't, because mm-hmm. we're going to pass against all the reasons that he gives to allow it for non-Jews, and right, and we're going to, and, and we're going to, right, we're going to send them all the Jews. So then, Rabbi says, but even if he wouldn't allow it, allow Bezdin to allow it, there are things that Bezdin can't allow that you're allowed to do as a private party. Mm-hmm. That's what he says, right? Rabbi says, that even though, yeah. right, the whole topic was only about whether Beitin can do it. Pardon? Is that like an obvious reading of that sentence? I don't think so. Basin can't order me to go beat up my neighbor, but I can beat up my neighbor. So you could argue that Avadishdil Nafshe seems to be a principle mostly where the courts wouldn't be able to act. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's, most, that's mostly what Avadishdil Nafshe means, right? Otherwise, we would say you should go to court. 
And not always. Sometimes it just seems like it saves me the bother of going to court. I, <laughs> I, 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 can, I, can, I can be there first because going to court is a pain and, I didn't, and, and there's no reason that the other party should be able to impose upon me the expense of going to court if I could just grab it back. Uh, of course, it leaves me vulnerable to a lawsuit the other way, right? If, right, if I grab it without sufficient evidence. Do we want to? So, one of the cases of an issue in the probably the most common case of an issue in the Nafshe, is if I have non probative evidence. Right? I saw something myself, so I know the person did this wrong thing, but I am not a valid witness in Beitin because I'm no Gea, um, or I'm only one witness, whatever it may be. So, I can do it. So, I can act myself on the basis of my own knowledge. Right? There isn't a because right, there isn't really a police force. I guess that's right. Part of the presumption of halacha is there isn't really a police force, hmm. and so we don't really have a notion that all violence has to be done by the state. I wish you understand the extent to which, right, um, contemporary law in the U.S. assumes that that only the state is allowed to use violence, and therefore we assume that if you don't have enough evidence to go to court, you can't do anything, because if we allow you to do something, that would be breaking the state's monopoly on force. But that was not a presumption always of legal systems. The legal systems are the courts existed to settle disputes. And if one side beat the other guy up and the other guy doesn't complain, there's no dispute. And you might not complain if you think the other guy took the stuff back to the stairs by right. Mm-hmm. So within that world, of it functions in a world without a police force. And it says that, you know what, in cases where you know, you know this stuff belongs to you and you can't prove it in court, you can grab it. Can you repeat that phrase again? Something nafshi. That's Aramaic. And Aramaic, yeah. A person, a person can. Avid inish dina Create like a rule for themselves. Yeah, people can make rule can make law for themselves. Right, they can issue judgment for themselves. It's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I think what it really is you have to understand, right? You know that we we always have this presumption of police in the back of our heads, right? Why didn't mm-hmm. you just call the police? Um. But the police were not always funded, such that they could be defunded. <laughs> <laughs> right? They're like the right police are invented in the you know as we right we all know from the, the critique right police are invented in the late nineteenth century, um, and they're invented in large me- in, you know that people argue they're invented in large measure to be for racist purposes. Maybe that's true, yeah. but it's not true. But before they didn't have police forces because it was just wasn't. Um, what is it? Show dream and something. Yeah, what show dream? What show dream are in that passage? Show dream, show dream. Right. So the Ramam you know, says that there are people who beat the bushes to prevent people from engaging from engaging in uh, misbehavior in the bushes. But <laughs> well, I think there's, difference that there's guards versus police. Like I feel like <laughs> are like guards. I mean guards. Which is guards than like a law keeping force. So you could treat them as a, you know as a as a force that's designed to uh, to do things like deal with theft. That's, that's not the, the task the Ramam assigns to them. No, I'm saying I don't think that's it. I'm saying yeah. that like, I think Shotrim is like kind of like physical guards in more respect in like specific places as opposed to like ones assigned to dealing with like crime throughout an area. Okay. I think it's easier to see, think of them as, as, as marshals, right? They're officers of the court to enforce court orders, which is very different than people who are designed to prevent crime right, uh, on mm-hmm. their own. Right, but they make sure that court orders are obeyed. Right? If the court says this property belongs to X, they will take, they will give the property to X. But they're not necessarily, but they're not, their job is not if they see one person beating up another person on the street to stop it. Mm-hmm. Right, that person can sue for Nezek afterwards. Isn't it all of our jobs to check the person? Okay, maybe, but it's not their job specifically. Right, if, if one side is, if one person is being harmed, sure, but just break up a fight. So you say that it's um, it's okay for me. I have the ability 
to yeah. go into, into your house and take this letter that belongs to me? Or are you saying that I can do that, but I might... Um, no, you can do it. necessarily halakhically okay. No, so El Vedanishnil Nafshe is a legal principle that you can defend yourself by saying, I was simply carrying out what I knew to be the true halakha. And then, right, the, you know, then, and, and then I'll have to prove that, it, what, right, you know, then we'll have to figure out where the burden of proof lies, that's all. But it's not inherently illegitimate, right, to carry, right, to, to carry out what you know to be the law, rather than go to court. Okay, so this doesn't prove either way the privacy and sanctity of your castle institution? No. Okay. Um, now, if you, now, you might be risking your life if you sneak into my house, right, because then I can kill you on the, right, that's, you know, those are all the... Mm -hmm. Right, that's what we set up, you know, a society with. Right, if you come in openly, then I can't do it, right? Because I'm saying, spill that. You know? Yeah, but if you're tunneling, I'm entitled to presume you're going to steal my stuff, right? That we get the whole. Um, but a society without police, right, has to work on the balance of power. So you're entitled to do this, and I'm entitled to attack you for doing it. And we generally assume that the balance of power will be, will be fairly equal because those of us who, are, you know, who don't do martial arts will try to make friends with people who do martial arts. <laughs> people in martial, you know, who do martial arts are probably very popular in areas without police forces. At least that's the way it works out on television. Um, but not with the people who have guns. They're very annoyed when people come with martial arts and knock their guns away. Um, this is still the television show that I do have watch. <laughs> uh, didn't I quote Kung Fu the other day in Sherry? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the whole thesis of Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah, Somebody in the Wild West, you know, not, you know, knocking, knocking guns away with martial arts. It gets even more ridiculous when they run, when they run a, a sequel that's set in the, later in, you know, in, in the West when in an urban environment, that was ridiculous. But in the West, you can sort of maintain the illusion that you know, it takes a long time to, 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 to load a rifle. <laughs> Okay, well, good to know. You can watch the show with me and tell me whether it's realistic or not. Also, you, you, get, a, you get a long bamboo flute, also. I don't need a long bamboo flute. <laughs> <laughs> I am useless with any such weapons. I just don't That's no good at all. The most I can do is threaten to play violin at you. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably get a note or two. <laughs> Speak. <laughs> All right. Um, yes, I think I think it is very important in reading these two books to um, to you have to think yourself back into an environment where there is no police force, right? There's no prior restraints. Um, and there's a recognition that it's, we all know, right, that, that courts can only function on the basis of evidence, and it's not always the case that the evidence will support the right side. Mm -hmm. Right? Because courts have to, because right? courts function on defaults, right? And if somebody successfully steals something from my house in the middle of the night, well, I'm stuck. Because, right, I can't prove how, right, I can't prove that it, and they, right, you steal something in my house in the middle of the night, and you walk in and you say, they, you, you, right, he sold it to me. So the burden of proof is on me to prove that you didn't sell it to me. How am I going to do that? It's a negative. Mm. Can't prove a negative, right? So that, right? So that's that's. Um, but, but I, th I think that I'd say I think that one of the challenges we have in trying to figure out how to use halakha in these areas is to figure out how we would apply halakha that are that are created in that kind of world to a world where we do have a police force, and that changes all our presumptions 
uh, um, about such things. Among the things it does is it creates a, an expectation of privacy against people other than the police. But possibly the counter to that is it removes all our expectations of privacy with regard to the police. Right? We, give, we, we give the police the right to search our homes with judicial orders and things like that in ways that we might not feel compelled without a police force to give anybody the right to do that. Because uh, a man's home is his castle. Um, but on the other hand, we might understand that in a society where there's no police, that people will sometimes ransack each other's houses looking for information, and that's you know, there's no other way of getting it. How else they can do it unless they come get it themselves? And in a world of police, will say, "No, right? If you, the moment you step over my house, you're in a, right, you're intruding on my privacy." But I think it's worth thinking about, right? Um, and you could say the police have like far more like power to do it right so that even if i say in the absence of the police maybe this other person is doing it maybe the police are far more capable of like far more effectively and thoroughly invading my privacy than like individual people will be able to do in the absence of their existence yes or like they're far more capable of confiscating my property than an individual thief would be able to yeah we could say that it's a bad thing right we could wish right right we could say fundamentally right you can say the tendency of modernity is to is to give people more rights against each other by granting the rights we used to have against each other to the police and depriving us of rights, right? For example, you have no right to resist the police. There wasn't anybody previously who didn't have a right to resist. Right? But, we, right? but you can't, right? resisting arrest is, it, right? is, is a crime. I mean, ordinarily, right, somebody tries to restrain you, right? That's your inviolate person. What right do they do, right? So that, that's the, the trade-off we make is, right, is that we, Right, is that we, we we guarantee our rights against each other by giving them to somebody else. So we can decide, right? Now, Halakha has to deal with that reality in terms of what expectations are. Um, and then we have to think about how we want to, uh, how we want to construct an ideal Halakha um, around it. Um, you know, any, any serious Halakha contribution to contemporary discourse about Israel, about America, about anything, right, has to allow for the reality of a court system which issues court orders and subpoenas if we issue, and if the, we emerge saying is, you know what? Police are bound by the same principles as private people, hmm. right? That would be a radical, that would be a yeah. radical move to claim, right? Um, which police would- Police wouldn't be able to do anything. Pardon? Police wouldn't really be able to do anything. Yeah, but private people will be able to do a lot more, right? right? So you want to pass hmm. in a world, right? In which people, which people can break into each, other, each other's houses to get their mail, but the police can't. Uh, right, unless they have a personal interest involved, right, unless right, right, we could we could invite we could create a world where there's agency. You can appoint people to break into other people's houses. What's different to do it yourself or hire people? Probably that's true. Right, it was probably mutter to break. Right, it was obligation not to probably allow you to hire somebody. So we should just think about right, what, you know, that yeah. the our whole concept of privacy is and it, this and now then this will finish. And this is this is um, anticipating um, Arya Schreiber's critique, but I think in a way that is constructive. Privacy can be thought of horizontally or vertically. Right? Horizontally is privacy among, right, among subjects or among citizens, and vertically is, is, privacy, is privacy against authority. Hmm. Um, okay, we, right, we, te we tend to, have to define those levels of privacy very differently in America too. Um, the question is whether Halakha necessarily does that. Um, and if Halakha didn't do it, so Allah has to adapt to reality, in which we have in fact done that. Uh, right? You can't pass as if it hasn't happened. And so you have to figure out, so what should the, right, when you're trying to think out, like, what should the halakha be about a national database? Right? That's talking about what, that's talking about how much, what, what privacy we should have against the federal government. 
You can imagine a world in which you should have none because the federal government is run by they will only do things with toilet and we trust absolutely and are restrained by each other, right? So you can arrange where the halakha in theory has absolutely no objection to, right? No, no belief in, in preserving privacy because it's we're all, right? You could, and, you know, and without, you know, two invidious comparisons, this is fundamentally the theory under which Iran works, right? That you have in charge and they have an obligation of every, all of us are their tamidin. Mm-hmm. You're entitled to eavesdrop in order to do proper chinuch on your tamidin. And therefore there's no right of privacy against the government. Um, right, and you could. I think it's fair to, to say that there are post game who don't see any theoretical problem with that. They just think that Iran elected them all religious leaders. Yeah, but it's also like in the times of Moshiach, but when people really are right. on that level of trust, then maybe that's not a problem. But today, when you maybe see that that's like but not... so, so you can read my article about how much power should the Messianic King have. I don't have that trust at that level either. <laughs> I think it's all either. I think it's all. No, but we had like in the times of like the Second Temple. Let's say we had like. I think more trust in like let's say the Sanhedrin, let's say, than like we do today of like rabbis. I don't think we did. Sanhedrin? Didn't they, they weren't they didn't they have like a lot of power in those days? I don't know. Mostly power they power gave it up because they looked the Navi, like all these people, like there was more trust. In. I don't know. I think I have to look at it and see. You know, you know, you know, my, my wife came up next saying, you know, that we there seems to be like a real disconnect between our celebrating Yoshio for attempting to impose totalitarian control on religion <laughs> yeah, by going to people's houses and rooting out, and rooting out their idols, but failing, of course, because we know the totalitarian regimes always fail yeah. because people right, people do things like put the things behind the door, but mm-hmm. right, then we get really mad at the other people who try and stamp out our religion, right? And I think that's a fair critique, right? Yoshio didn't work, right? The, the, lesson, the lesson we learned from Yoshio was tragic, right? You know, he got fooled and really he should have been able yeah. to stamp it out or, wow, that's not the right way to do it. Mm. Um, because they're always going to be right. If you try and stamp it out, they're always going to be a Vodazaras behind the door because you can't actually you know impose religion by force. Mm-hmm. I mean that's true of like most of the quote unquote good kings. Yeah. But like the reason the reason they were good and the reason everyone hated them was because they tried to get rid of a Vodazara and Bamad. So you know, it's, you know, the question of what you learn from Tadak. You learn the tragedy. Tragedy the, for the good kings didn't win, or inevitable tragedy, because if the good kings didn't. Right, the good king strategy was forced. It did right? It wasn't going to work. Yeah, and I think those are those are two ways of reading the of, re, of reading the arc of the arc of the narrative. Um, I suppose on the court of ha- the one lesson you can't learn is that force works. So I'm kind of happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Very, just, it didn't work in that situation. It's right. So <laughs> you can't get a president. Oh, look. Obviously, force works. You know, we can always say it because they didn't use enough force. Right. That's always right. the problem. Right. You know, you, know, you always put more Ooh. force. The next time it doesn't seem to have worked. I think that's a and certainly, certainly the Nevi'im seem to be the honest of the people. That's right. Yes, yeah, Nevi'im rarely. I mean, yeah. except for Bumos, the Nevi'im always. But and I think Bumos, you know, if you know, I think the Bumos is the Nevi'im's fault. The Nevi'im, we just read about how they had all the false prophets, and this is why it just fell back. So Nevi'im don't succeed in you know, Nevi'im, but I think Bumos. Yeah, I think are Leonardo Carmel. That's why you can't get rid of Bumos. Mm-hmm. Right. We have this story. right. I know. Right. So I think that yeah. yeah. I'm not into power. Uh, I'm not into power. I'm not into force. Uh, I think we do need to think about it. Um, I think when we set up a, I think we need to be aware that halacha is almost entirely horizontal on these issues. Um, right? horizontal. What do you mean by that again? It's um, yeah. people of equal power. How much, right? Mm-hmm. People of equal power in society. Do they have, right? What are their privacy interests against each other? Partners. Right. As opposed to, much of right, much of contemporary law, which is about 
privacy, how much, what, what, what protects me against the government because we've made the government super powerful. Um, right? There isn't so much in there isn't so much in halacha about protecting you against Beitu. Okay. Um, which and compared well, to I, contemporary uh, government, they didn't have that much power. They didn't have the power to do it. <laughs> it wasn't a risk. But no, but I mean, why in the old days what, did the Beitin have so much power? I don't think it did. I think they didn't have to bother protecting against it because they didn't have so much power. Mm -hmm. But even if you look at like the kings, they had power to take your stuff, take your daughters, but they didn't have power to use your money. I don't know. They probably did, but we but, like, well, oh, or they didn't worry about it because the birds would tell them. But we don't think we, we don't. You know, that we can uh, depends on how we how we think of the kings. You know? We can also argue about like what powers are theoretically afforded to the Beit Dean versus historically what powers have actually ever been right. given to them or enacted. Sure, that's also a right. You know, realistic thing. Um, both ways, right? How, did the Beit Din really have, ever have the powers it was given, and did the kings were the kings ever really limited to the powers they were given? Uh, uh, right. That's one way. One way of reading you know, the, the story of Shmuel is that right. The, the, what he tells them is not what the king should do or or is allowed to do. What the king's going to do, whether or not you give them that power, either. Right. And that's the way the uh, Bavli reads it. That Malchi Israel can't can't be judges or in court because nobody will nobody will stop them. And we have you know in the story we have of Menhuta that we quoted, right, where he just kills all Sanhedrin. Right, it tells you that the power of the law to restrain the king is um, is often an illusion, right? Because mm -hmm. the pope doesn't have any any, any legions. Um, you know, so it doesn't work, right? So you know, when there weren't shotrim, who were right, who have an independent fourth, right, whom, whom the courts can pay out of their own coffers, who are willing, to, right, who are trained against to stand up against the army, so the king can mm -hmm. kill the sanhedrin. Um, okay, so I think that that's. What we'll see, uh, hopefully, um, next time, uh, Rabbi Lam makes an effort to find a halachic precedent that um, that actually stands against, stand, actually stands vertically. Uh, right, that's that's Rabbi Lam's great finish. Is that he think he has he has one precedent that's vertical and not just horizontal. So you have to see how compelling how compelling you think his uh, his, his his evidence of that is, and then we have to think generally about right, what do we do with the whole halachic system. In a world where the challenges are uh, are often more vertical and horizontal in two different ways, right? One, we have governments, and the other is we have corporations. Mm -hmm. And corporations are a um, all right. I'm running late. Anyway, let's take I mean, three it's not, minutes. It's not like they didn't have government back then. They did, but it wasn't the government that was as focused on your private information. Mm -hmm. Except you might say when Yoshio came along. Right, we know we have people going into every houses, but mostly you know people are seeking out your money. Right, nobody's interested in your private conversation. Being a slave or something. No, taxes. Taxes yeah. or essentially like making you forced labor. Yeah, that's not privacy. That's taking your time. Taking a lot. Yeah, but it's not that you don't. We don't. We're not worried about protecting against privacy. We're worried about protecting your body. In terms of other halachic issues, like there's plenty of things that the government could do to you that halacha doesn't necessarily have vertical things. Right, I look at that. So I, I would say, I'm gonna put it in one, one brief thing, I think in general, mm -hmm. um, what I just said as a the theoretical construct, corporations are, ag are aggregates of capital, mm -hmm. right? Unions are aggregates of labor, mm -hmm. uh, right? Halakha is not, Halakha doesn't have either of them. Mm. Right, right. As Halakha, as you have in the Gemara, right, the, right, every, every employer negotiates individually with every laborer. 
So when you try and think about what economic halacha has to be, when there's a corporation, you have to say, hang on, like there's a new situation. And this yeah. is, you know, this is, you can call this a Marxist critique, if you will, right? We have a new situation in which capital is allowed to aggregate. When capital is allowed to aggregate and labor is not, you have a massive imbalance. Yeah. And so, right, so, the, so the, a reasonable halakhic response to capitalism is unionism. And that's, in fact, what, let's say, Ravazil does. Ravazil recognizes this and he says, we can't have, you can't have capital aggregating without labor being able to count aggregate. We can talk about what the balance of power is. So in the, in the realm of, um, of information, where you can, you can argue that corporations have aggregated capital, what are consumers supposed to do? So you can argue that a democratic government is the consumer's union. And the goal is for government to restrain, right, to restrain corporations. That leaves individuals having nothing against either of them. Or you can try and find a way for, infor right, for information producers to right, to create some kind of counter counter agglomeration against against um, against corporations, we have not yet found an effective way of doing that. In the same way as in the U.S. currently, we have not found it, right. We have not found an effective way for labor to aggregate against capital, because right, unions, for good or for ill, whatever you think about the destruction of unions in the um, you know in the aftermath of Reagan's breaking the Air Controllers Union, um, and all sorts of good, and I think there are lots of good reasons that. You can argue against that the unions we had in the, then were corrupt and failures and all those sorts of things. But the reality is what you're left with is an imbalance of power. And Halakha has to acknowledge that. So when we construct the when constructing concession of privacy, I think a way of thinking about it is that you have these ways in which in which some in which capital has aggregated to want your information. And there's no way any individual negotiating with an aggregate will ever have an equal, will ever have an equal standing. So we have to figure out, right, what, what is, you know, the same way I think that we really ought to, really, really ought to, right? We are desperately behind trying to develop a halacha uh, of labor that accounts for this. And this is one of the, you know, sort of my side, my side projects is trying to construct a halacha of the labor capital relations that isn't Marxist, but that uh, is aware of the imbalance of aggregation. If you don't allow, if you don't allow mm -hmm. aggregation, but the same token of my information, we need to do that. All right. Thank you. I'm sorry we were slower today than usual. And I see I missed things in the chat. Uh, ah. Skutsky said, right, Skutsky had two things that are useful. Or one is um, that he said, Reverend Emma Cohen, who I believe is the Ram in Adniel, said that a normal person should be able to learn lovely Masechus Shabbos in Arabic before Shabbos each week. So that's part of normal life, right? Because people, <laughs> people can't, can't mention from Hazarik Shabbos to Arabic. <laughs> Every week, everyone has their own conception of, uh, of normal life. And the other thing was where he talked about right, that that issue, which is still live, it came up in this school last year, may still be an ongoing issue, was um, really the other about whether uh, how you balance um, people who have uh, support dogs mm. against um, people who are allergic. Right, afraid is one thing, right? So yeah. we're talking about the coattail afraid, right? So you can have a special aisle that they walk down, but it's outdoors. Yeah. Yeah, but when, right, when we're, we're, we're in a shul, right? Unless someone brings a really, really radically hypoallergenic dog, and if there's somebody who has a severe dog allergy, not only when the dog is there, but unless you get a massively successful HVAC system, right? You're, you're, mm. you're, making, you're making the shul off limits to them, it's like eating peanuts. Uh -huh. So, dog allergies are usually not as serious as peanut allergies, no. No. but it makes you, you know, your nose is going to run, right? You know, you know, right? Those are. Uh, so, right, so, so Josh was reminding, reminding me that we, we talked about this when we did disabilities 
um, some years ago. But and this is actually Ken Lamaisa in this show. Sure. And probably because of the mass in every show now that there are people who have uh, yeah. not seeing eye dogs, but um, emotional support dogs or yeah. pythons or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was the coolest animal that someone brought us? Was there emotional support? There was an emotional support python. I don't know if that's it was a python. Yes, yeah, there was pythons. I think there might. Have, I don't think there was a crocodile. It's not giving new meanings. Yeah, finishing yeah. us an emotional. But there might have been an ostrich. <laughs> oh, <my leash. laughs> right so the question is right so how do you right, how do you right how do you balance the right of everyone to come to shul so we can say that the right you know we you i'm sorry that you picked a fluffy emotional support emotional support python okay right obviously Python's are not fluffy, um, right? Um, right. Um, so I tried to say that so we wouldn't, but you're right. right? It's, 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 it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing, but, but it does, and it also it also makes it well, inaccessible for some people. Right? Moshe says, "Have the same dogs up by the door." Part of it would potentially be like balancing what the accessibility like limits would be for not allowing a person to have this dog or this whatever versus right. like. How inaccessible are you making this space by not allowing this person to have this versus by having this animal there for the person? Right. So that, but that, that's case by case, which is very hard. Yeah. Right. That's very right. You know, yeah, but it's but also, also like, I, I think it's something that feels like it would be hard to make a, a hard and fast law that applies to all cases here. It feels like something yeah. that probably should be fairly case dependent. Maybe. Or maybe we should say that, you know, people should know in advance that unless they, they, get, they take a hypoallergenic support animal, they're not going to be allowed the right they can't bring it to show. Like I said, the burden that way, right? That, that it has to be hypoallergenic. And you have to tell me, right, how much of a burden is that for, right, for, for it to be hypoallergenic? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah, not so much for pythons, <laughs> but, uh, right, but for other animals, sure. Um, part of what makes animals attractive is that their fur is soft, right? That's, right, that's what's coming. And it's not so much, right, it's not so much fun. Uh, am, I, am I not satisfying you, Lexi? Uh, okay, I could, but I, I think that's that. Uh, it has been an issue that I, I was, I you know, that I, I was very uh, conflicted about, um, mm -hmm. about you know, about how, uh, and I because I missed it the first time when we brought over last Juba, and I just missed the allergy issue, and then when somebody mm -hmm. in Shira raised it, I said, oh my goodness, right, you're right, you know, like I could be this great hero, possibly that you get to bring your seeing eye dog to shul, and the result of that is that you know that I'm making shul inaccessible for five other people, not to mention me, I just I just happen to be scared of small dogs. Uh, not large dogs so much, but small dogs. But on the other hand, there was, that's a, I was bitten by a small dog. <laughs> um, so I think that's I think that that's also worth uh, worth uh, worth putting on the judgment. Okay, mm -hmm. again, I'm sorry today was slower than last. Tomorrow we'll do Rosh Shankalovsky. We'll I'll have a lamb um, for you. We'll go and um, and you already have the Griswold things. So I think probably uh, we should start going through Rabbi Lamb's Rabbi Lamb's Makorot if possible. Um, mm -hmm. But I think probably going through Rosh Shankalovsky and understanding Griswold. Will, and the beginning of and having read Rabbi Lamas probably all we'll get through tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I 